Thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. Thank you for your extravagant love poured upon us through the sacrifice of your Son at Calvary. Thank you for ever coming into this world to be our Savior. We love you so much for that. and We just pray that this morning you will be present in our midst as we look into your word. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've um, stopped our uh, continuous progression on the word and the power of the word a little bit just to look at the story of Jesus coming into the world, of his birth, his incarnation. And um, last week we looked at the Luke presentation and saw how God was using people who were willing and ready, people who were willing and ready to bring his son into the world. They were not the rich and the famous. They were not maybe what this world would look on and say, oh, you know, this must be someone of great worth. But in God's eyes, they were key players in his in his program. And we often see, don't we, in God's picture, that it's not the appearances that he cares about. He's looking for that genuine heart that loves him. And that's what's valuable to him. And those are the ones that he uses as key players in his, in his unfolding of his plan. And so each one of us is able to be a part of God's plan, whatever, for our lives, for the lives of people around us. We're each of the same value and worth in his sight, especially as we give our hearts to him and have will, are willing for him to, to live in us and to pour himself through us. Each one of us is valuable to him. And we must uh, hold on to that because the enemy is always fighting that in all of our lives, no matter what is going on. The enemy's always fighting that, that we're worthless, that we're not, you know, who do you think you are? You're not like that person. You're not like this person. You're not. And he's such a liar, but he's good at it, isn't he? He's always looking to devalue, devalue who we are and and what we've done. Not like what this person's done. He is such a liar. That is not how God looks at it. God looks at our hearts and our hearts being worshipful and 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 wanting Him and willing for Him to work in us. That's it. Says His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What looking for somebody who's got it all together in high society? No, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him, whose hearts are loving him. So he's looking for your heart and my heart. And that's that just brings him joy. And so, wow, we we all, we all can be part of, of that relationship. So praise God, because by this world's measure, we wouldn't, we wouldn't cut it. But by God's measure he loves us and he includes us and we're precious we're precious to him so we see here in in the story of jesus being born that it's just everyday kind of people like you and me um there's mary a young girl and you know i I said this to you from earth's side it looks like an unplanned pregnancy like what i deal with all the time at the center and people are oh taken back and oh my goodness now what to do and, um, 
you know, shepherds out in the field, they weren't, they weren't like revered as like that was being a wonderful job. They, shepherd was like stinky and, you know, that was just, uh, you know, always a lowly job. It wasn't considered, you know, great esteem in those days, but they were faithful and they were taking care of their sheep and here come this angels to tell them and announce to them the good news of Jesus' birth and, Joseph, and uh, we're going to look at Joseph today, and then there was Anna and Simeon, you know, and Anna, uh, Zacharias and, and uh, Elizabeth, they were faithful, right? They were walked with God blamelessly. Again, we see, you know, that God, the morning, God was, he knew, he knew those who were walking with him in all the ordinances of God blameless. He was looking at the hearts. He was, he knew, he knew which people he could trust with this uh, amazing, amazing thing. So, all right, but I said today that we would look at the Matthew account because uh, I think this is something that's really overlooked a lot when we think about Christmas, is God's revelation to Joseph's heart. Okay, now, of course, the first announcement came to Mary. She shares it, and everybody kind of goes, okay. And Joseph doesn't know quite what to think, does he? Well, I mean, who could blame him? Um, we can be hard on him, but I mean, come on. What was the man supposed to think? Here he has, he has in good faith betrothed. I told you that was already like a covenant. That was a covenant that was signed between the two families. Um, the dowry was agreed upon. And now Joseph was to go back to his father's house and prepare a, a room, for a, a dwelling place for him and Mary. And when he was ready, he would come and get her, and they would they would consummate the marriage. So here now comes this troubling news. This is troubling. She's with child, and it's not by him. So, and she says uh, that an angel appeared to her and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. It's kind of like, oh boy. And he doesn't know what to do. And he, so we see he's not a man of rash action. He doesn't immediately um, say, that's it, I'm done, I'm finished, and walk away from the situation. He, he, he thinks about it, doesn't he? He gives it time. He, he's prayerful about it. He's thinking about it. And he's like, what should I do? What should I do? Maybe I should put her away privately. I don't want to disgrace her or her family. He cares, clearly he cares deeply for her because he's, he's thinking of like the most like decent thing he could do so she doesn't get stoned or, or, or whatever, make a public example of her. So we see he, his heart is deeply caring about her and her family. Yet he's, you know, chagrined and um, just trying to figure it all out, right? And so now we come to Matthew 1, verse 18. That's where we'll pick up the story today. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, Again, we see that God saw him as just. Wow. Again, this prior to the cross, you know. We we often think that, you know, before the cross, well, what kind of relationship did the people have with God? But there were these people were devout in this story. They loved God. They had relationship with God. They were just and they were devoted and they were walking in the ordinances of God. They were looking for Messiah. 
and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here, God comes and sends an angel, speaks to Joseph. And this was crucial, wasn't it? It was a crucial piece in the whole scenario. Joseph needed to know that. He needed to know all of these things. He needed to know. And he was to be a participant because he was to call his name Jesus. They were going to ask when the child was born, what will his name be? Joseph? (laughs) Like we saw in the story of John, right? They were going to call him Zacharias. And then he said, no, his name is John. Well, Joseph was the one who was going to have to say his name is Jesus. And so the angel conveys the same message to him. What a comfort this must have been to Joseph's heart as he awakens and he realizes that the angel has come, an angel has come and spoken with him. Wow, so Mary told me the truth. It's true, you know? It's okay. I can you know, we okay, now he knows what to do. His 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 turmoil is over. This is going to be all right. And I'm sure he probably took some flack for it. it I mean, it's, it's unda- undoubtedly, you know, that he took some flack for it. But now he knows how to proceed. And so then it says in verse, the next verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He didn't wake up and say, man, I must have ate too much pizza last night. Now, I don't think they had pizza back then or bagels or whatever they had. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't write it off to, you know, bad night. He believed. God, he knew that that what he had seen in his dream had been from God. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I've heard many people share how sometimes they have had a dream where they knew that God had communicated or blessed them or, or you know, I mean, there's people that get off on, you know, <laughs> they kind of live their life by, by whatever dream they have in the night. That's not what we're talking about here. This was a God communication. He can talk to us in our dream. He can talk to us in many Various ways. We're not going to make a, a doctrine out of that, but it, it, God can God can speak to us through many ways. And so here we see that he believed and he acted on what the angel had communicated to him in his dream, and took to him his wife and did not know her, was not intimate with her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. You see there, that was his responsibility. And he knew what the name was to be because he had been told. And so, again, you know, Joseph is just kind of passed over a lot of times, but he was really quite a remarkable man. And it doesn't stop there, does it? 
Okay, so let's go on. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar. Oh, no, that's Luke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. My Bible is a chronological. I need a I need to go connect back to Matthew again. Just to give me a second here. Oh, now we're at Matthew 2, right? Okay. All right, so let's go to Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, <clears throat> behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Here, again, we have some men, and we don't know how many, because there were three gifts. A lot of times people think there were just three wise men. But um, traveling that long distance um, probably was more than three. It was probably a big caravan. So could have been 30. <laughs> it, it, was, it was almost 100% sure more than, more than three of them in, in the caravan. <clears throat> so uh, they had traveled a long distance. But here were people who were <clears throat> watching you know, watching the heavens, watching the heavenlies, and some kind of belief and desire about a coming Messiah, a coming Savior, a coming King. So, again, their hearts were yearning, looking, and when they see what goes on in the heavenlies, they say, hmm, something's going on. we got to go find out. And they, it moves them to action, you know, when, and, and this is something that we have to learn, don't we, as we walk with God, that when he starts to stir our hearts and give us a little direction, we, ha- it has to, we have to take action. We have to take some steps forward ourselves. God doesn't just come zapping into our world like Superman and zap everything into line. He usually just kind of stirs the pot a little and gives us a little idea what we should do next. And then it's up to us to take the next step. God works in conjunction with our willingness and our faith to believe what he's what He's putting in our heart and, and mind and speaking to us. And then we take a step, and wow, he comes and he meets us. And we take a step, and he comes and it unfolds. His plan unfolds. And so we see here that they see the star in the heavens, and they say, this is very unusual. We got, you know, God must be getting ready to do something here. And so they go. They say, let's get going here. And they, they go. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem. Because don't forget, remember, we've been talking about this quite a bit, how the influence, the tremendous influence of Herod on their world. Herod's, Herod's uh, palaces and the one that was uh, up high and overshadowed, you know, their existence pretty much. And Herod's influence was tremendous in their day-to-day existence. And, um, you know, he, he was, he set himself up as like, you know, he was the king there. And, and so when they come, when these wise men come from afar and say, oh, we saw a star in the sky and we think a, a new king must be born. Where is he? You know, that's, that doesn't sit well with Herod because it's certainly not in his family. He's troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, notice that he knows where to go to ask. (laughs) He has an idea who might know, doesn't he? And so they say to him, they search the scriptures, and because they have the scriptures, they say to him, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler 
who will shepherd my people Israel. So there you have it. Again, we see always there's a a prophecy that is being fulfilled. We saw that all through Jesus' life, didn't we? And here, of course, at his birth, we have that over and over, and as well as through the crucifixion. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, again, we see the deception, the dishonesty, the, you know, nothing, nothing good there going on. Determined from them what time the star appeared. He's trying to figure things out. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Completely bogus, right? <laughs> he was just wanted to know where that child was so he could annihilate it, kill it, get rid of it. He didn't want his throne to be uh, jeopardized by anyone. And so when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, again, the star appears before them. Apparently, they kind of not been able to find it again. The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And people have studied and studied and studied about what the star was and, and so on and so forth. And I'm sure it's interesting, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> they found the child. <laughs> And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. We used to sing a cantata. Remember the cantata we used to sing (laughs) with these words in it? And it just was very joyful at that point. And they were filled with joy. And when they had come into the house, now at this point, Jesus and uh, Joseph and Mary were in a house. They weren't out in the in a manger and in the barn any longer you know our all of our manger scenes have the wise men coming you know to to the manger but um they were in house at this point and they saw the young child with mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him wow now how many of you go to visit a relative that's just had a new child and fall down and worship the child not so much you hold it you coo and you caw and you tickle it under its chin and you're very happy to see the child, but bow down and worship it? No, not so much. Why? 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 Because their hearts, it registered, it, re- it resounded within them that this was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This was the Messiah. This was the promised one. And there was worship in their hearts as there was with the shepherds. And wow, what an amazing response to, 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 meeting up with a young child. (laughs) And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we talked a little bit uh, how, you know, this was God's provision. Mary and Joseph were poor. And gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were costly items. And so here we see, you know, Father God and angels and everything watching out for this son, okay? This is the beloved son of, of, of glory. And here come the wealthy to provide for Joseph and Mary and this child extravagantly. That was, that was gold. Okay. Just like in our world, right? They're all telling you to buy gold, right? <laughs> gold and frankincense and myrrh. So even if they had to sell some of the frankincense and myrrh, it would be provision or, or, or whatever. So, um, again, these were costly gifts, and it was God's way of, of provision, taking care. God is a provider, and um, doesn't always 
You know, sometimes the provision doesn't, doesn't come ahead of time, but it always comes just in the nick of time. And he's a, he's a provider. He's a provider. And we can bank on that. We can bank on that. We can say, okay, God, you know, this is getting down. So I'm getting down to the wire here. I, you promised to provide. You're my provider. I trust in you. I believe in you. And somehow, some way, he comes through. Then being divine, here we go again now, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. So here, somehow God communicates to them in a dream that they shouldn't go back to Herod because Herod's out for no good. And they don't. They don't go back to him. They go back to their own country. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel, here we go again, another angel, okay? An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Again, so much is emphasized about the angelic appearances to Zacharias and, and Mary, right? That everybody knows. But here's another, second angelic appearance to Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, again, Joseph doesn't say, I must have ate too much last night before I went to bed. He says, the angel spoke to me. I got it. Come on, let's pack up. Let's pack everything up. Now, no mother with a young child wants to pack everything up and go even to the, to the market, never mind <laughs> on a long journey, okay? I mean, come on, let's be real here, right? Packing up everything for a, a mother and young child, paraphernalia and all the stuff, right? I mean, maybe they didn't have as much stuff back then, but still can't be easy to travel with a young child. So when he arose, he took the young child's mother by night, departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. And what a horrible, horrible, horrible decision to make and have that blood on his hands of all the children two years old and under in that time. How grief-stricken the mothers and fathers must have been that lost their children under two years old. Terrible, terrible, terrible grief. That it might be fulfilled by the prophet, saying a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And losing <clears throat> losing a child, no greater grief than losing a child because you never think a child will die before you will. And so it's a terrible, dreadful thing, but we see here again that Father God had communicated to Joseph, not to Mary, but to Joseph, you need to move so that this baby will live. And be protected. And so we see God looking out for his son, don't we? Now when Herod was dead, behold an angel of the Lord. <laughs> Here we go again, okay? The little time goes by. Another angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. So here it is again. Another time. 
the angel comes and speaks to Joseph and says, Okay, Joseph, Herod's dead. Come on. You need to go, you need to go back into Israel. And he arose again. He, he believes. He believes what the angel comes and communicates to him and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. He knew that Archelaus was not much better character than, <laughs> than Herod. And so he was fearful, a little fearful when he heard that. And look at what it says next. And being warned by God in a dream, I'm telling you, God communicated with Joseph over and over and over and over. He turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So here we see amazing uh, dialogue between heaven and Joseph. <laughs> they have, uh, you know, he's a man who is willing to listen for God's voice and God's direction. He... He could have taken matters in his own hands. He could have done what seemed best to him. He could have put Mary out. He, there's so many things he could have done. But instead, we see a man who was devoted to God, listening for God's voice. And, you know, there are, there are those today who say, oh, you can't hear God's voice anymore. Well, Joseph certainly <laughs> heard God's voice, didn't he? And, you know, if we are listening, God will speak to us. He will find a way to communicate with us if our hearts are listening and attuned. And here we see that Joseph is listening. He's willing. He's, he's not, he doesn't have that attitude like that he knows it all and nobody's going to tell him what to do, that he can figure it out for himself. You know, we have a really strong dominant uh, thought in this world that, you know, nobody, don't, you don't have to listen to nobody, just, you know, you just do whatever you, know, you think is right to do for you and look out for you, number one. But Joseph had this, this communicate, this, this understanding that God was in charge and that he was willing. God communicated something to him, he was gonna act on it. He was gonna, he was gonna step forward in it. And Mary needed that, didn't she? You know, as much emphasis put on her life, she needed Joseph to to be that protector. He was the protector. Even though it was the son of the highest, Joseph played the father. He was the father figure in this scenario. And he was the protector. He heard from God. He directed his family according to what God showed him. And he was the man. And, you know, um, really, he's not given enough credit, I don't think. And um, it's just such a good example for for all men that, you know, you know, and, uh, typically a lot of times people say, well, women are the ones who are more sensitive and more emotional, and, and they're the ones who hear from God. No, here we have this godly man who rose up to the occasion and, and said, and whatever God showed him to do, he just acted on it. And he stepped forward and he kept on moving forward and doing whatever God showed him to do. And 
through it, you know, Jesus was able to grow up and be nurtured. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. How did that, that happen? Because he had a godly father and a godly mother. But he also had a godly father who was imparting godly things into him. And listening for God's voice and directing the family in the ways of God. And... Um, it's just, it's just, it's just beautiful to see how Joseph responds in this time. It was a time of crisis for sure, but he certainly embraces the idea that this is a child sent from heaven, sent from God for the world at this, at this particular time. And so it is an amazing story, that's for sure. And, um, of course we saw, I don't know if we finished that last week, but, but when they took the baby into that to the to the temple to have him uh, circumcised. We saw that Simeon came, and he had been was another one who was looking for salvation and Messiah. And God had promised him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah. And as he comes in and holds the baby in his arms, <coughs> suddenly the Holy Spirit comes upon him, <laughs> and he says, "Now you can let your servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen us." salvation the christ child holy spirit we see the holy spirit at work in in this whole story also there's father son and the holy spirit all operating uh, at the same time and uh, then anna comes in right the the prophetess and she comes in and she recognizes also that this child is set for the rise and the falling of many and so you know mary pondered everything in her heart but Joseph kept them moving <laughs> in the right direction and according to God's plan. And so what a wonderful, wonderful story as we see how God, just like in the tabernacle, when we studied the tabernacle, we saw how every detail down to the color of the threads, God had a plan for. Everything was taken care of. We see that here in this story too, as God allows his son to be born into the world of men as a helpless infant. Every detail has is carefully watched over. Every detail, right? Every detail. The angels come and announce the birth to the shepherd. Every, every detail. He sets the stage slowly. There's another thing that we learn as we walk with God is that he's not as in, in a biggest hurry as we are. <laughs> you know, when, when he promised the Savior... He said to, he promised it to Adam and Eve, didn't he? That a savior, uh, a redeemer would come. And of course, Adam and Eve thought that their first child would, would be the redeemer. It wasn't for many, many years, was it? God slowly prepared and prepared and prepared, set the tabernacle in place. Men and women, he moved this way and that way, began to reveal who he was, what he was like, how to walk with him. He carefully and slowly, methodically, Raised up prophets, don't give up. Redeemer is coming, don't give up. Messiah is coming. It, we would say, come on already, you know? <laughs> what's the, what's the hold up? Why? But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In the fullness of time, God carefully set the stage. Little by little, the plan unfolded. And it's so in our lives. We would like it all done today. <laughs> we would like to see the whole picture and get the get the blueprint. Let's get on with it here, Lord. You know, I'm 
I'm already down the road here and um, we've been waiting a long time. And God is not in a hurry. He's working on the big picture. He's carefully, carefully, carefully and diligently laying the, the things in place that need to be to fulfill his plan. And so, you know, sometimes people think that, um, you know, oh, well, I made a mistake, so now I messed up God's plan. Please. Our mistakes are no surprise to God. <laughs> God, God is not surprised by our mistakes at all. And he has a way of weaving them right back into where we, making, making something beautiful out of what we see. We see it as a, as a disaster, as no good. Not so much with God. God, God knew, knows where, where we're going and how we're getting there. And He has a way of just working it all out for our good and, and fulfilling His plan and His purpose in our lives no matter what. And so may it be a blessing of encouragement and, um, just great joy because it is a story of great joy that unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord and that He carefully watches over everything in our lives and of course it was his son but he loves us it's you know he gave his son so that we could be sons and daughters also to bring us into the family and he just as carefully as he watched over the son of god's life he watches over us we're called sons and daughters of god aren't we we're allowed into the family because of the birth of the son and wow what an amazing privilege what an honor and so we, we're not being presumptuous when we say he carefully watches over our lives also. No. He counts us as sons and daughters of his family. And so he carefully watches over our lives and works things out for the good. And so we can trust and rest in that and be encouraged and don't allow. We have to fight against the enemy that's always coming against us to, to, to diminish us and to make us feel useless and worthless and like you know, we haven't we haven't done much with our life at all. We all fight that battle. Everyone, I've never met anyone that doesn't fight that battle. We all we all fight that battle, no matter who we are. And um, we just have to keep encouraging one another. Don't give up. Don't listen to those lies. Don't believe that stuff. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. God loves you vehemently. He loves you extravagantly. And you are precious. And He's got a good plan and a good future for all of our lives. And so let's keep on building one another up and encouraging one another. He's coming back. One of these days, just like then, you know, those people were willing, hungry, looking, where's Messiah? Messiah truly must come soon. We know it's time. We know it's time. Well, we do too, don't we? We see in our world signs of, surely you must be coming soon, Lord. He said, just as I've gone into, just as you see me taken up from heaven, so he's going to come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Well, Lord, surely it must be soon. And when our hearts are longing and desirous for him, so let's, let's desire and be willing, put ourselves and make ourselves accessible to him, and he will come and do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think, dream, or imagine. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just close in prayer. Lord, we thank you again. Thank you so much for coming into this earth being willing to come. It's just amazing. We just can't even understand how you could love us that much. We're just so thankful. So thankful. 
and then that you would go all the way to Calvary to allow us to be partakers of your glory and to be sons in the family of God. Oh, we thank you so much. We just pray that you will help us to walk our lives believing you, trusting in you, fighting that good fight of faith, laying hold of eternal life and demonstrating to the world around us that we truly believe in our God, that we know you are able, that we know you are God and that we're allowing you to be God in our lives. May our lives radiate your beauty in many, many ways, in every way, Lord, to all who come across our pathway. Now we pray your blessing on the rest of this morning and all that's done and said. In Jesus' name, amen.